Hey, so welcome to one of the first episodes of uh, Tech in Africa podcast where we will be interviewing some uh, local founders uh, here in uh, Africa. And we start uh, this week with uh, Nash, uh, Nash from SafeMoto. How are you, Nash? I'm doing really well, thanks. So um, thanks again for uh, joining us uh, today. Can you maybe uh, give us a little bit of uh, detail about uh, yourself, where you're coming from, uh, while you're there, and uh, where you've been starting your entrepreneurial journey in, uh, in Africa? Sure. So while I, I haven't, I can't actually claim to be a local founder, I have been involved in Africa for uh, something like 12 or 13 years now. I first came to, uh, to West Africa actually as a volunteer teacher during university. I just felt a bit in love with the, uh, the optimism of the region while also seeing that there was like a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of the ways that like basic services weren't being kind of provided to, to people and that there was an opportunity gap. I went back to Canada, got involved in startups in Canada, but was like always keeping Africa in my mind. And I had the opportunity to go work with the One Laptop Per Child initiative in Rwanda back in 2011 that brought me to Rwanda. And I was really uh, inspired by the the um, the what the country in Rwanda has done. Uh, you know, to me, Rwanda is the the best place in Africa to launch an early stage startup. It's just a very clean ecosystem with very low barriers to entry. And yeah. uh, over time in Rwanda, I was inspired to start a company called Safe Motos. And how has it been changing? How was the ecosystem in Rwanda in uh, 2011? I mean, to see the differences in ecosystem in Rwanda between 2011 and now is just night to day. When, when I first came, I mean, uh, we were releasing laptops and like, you know, people were touching them for the first time. Uh, a smartphone, people would get smartphones the way they'd buy cars by going to the bank and doing long-term loans. Uh, now when you go to, to Kigali, you know, it's uh, the assumption that every person in the old meeting, Kigali will have a smartphone. Every single person will use WhatsApp. WhatsApp has probably been the biggest gateway to technology that I've experienced in Africa. And, you know, technology, the ecosystem, it's become something where before people didn't know what the word startup was, to now when you talk to young children, to be an entrepreneur, to work for a startup, is the, the first thing that, that children will tell you they dream about doing. Yes. And so what's uh, Safe Motos? Can you tell us more about it? Uh... The funding story and uh, why you came with this uh, ID. Sure. So, uh, say back in 2014, I was living in Kigali, and I had a Kenyan software develop, uh, developer uh, roommate, and we'd often meet for for beers in the the evening in Kigali, and we'd always hop off motorcycle taxis, which are the most common way to get around in Rwanda, and we'd always joke about how dangerous it was just to get to the bar. You know, oh, this driver, he almost killed me. Uh, over, you know, a couple of months and a couple of beers, we were kind of began like, you know, actually like, you know, brainstorming well, what were ways that we could could solve this. And, you know, we both were kind of uh, working full-time jobs at the time, but we both, you know, aspired to be entrepreneurs. And we'd have many ideas, but the, the idea of motorcycle taxis, which were just so prevalent and so not understood 
internationally just kind of kept ticking back on us. So I originally had the idea of doing something like um, putting a bunch of sensors in helmets to track how drivers drive. Uh, my co-founder uh, Peter had the idea of, well, why not actually just use smartphones to measure how drivers drive, um, since they already have all these sensors built into their technology stack. And basically, we did a simple pitch deck where um, we we you know pitched doing like you know smartphone sensors paired with an Uber-style interface for motorcycle taxis. It somehow got picked up by uh, an accelerator out of Ireland, actually focusing on innovations in the transportation uh, industry. And we managed to uh, get into the accelerator, do very well in the accelerator, get some follow-on money, come back to, to Rwanda. This is uh, summer 2015 now, and uh, launch Safe Motos as a safer Uber for African motorcycle taxis. So that's it. That's the big difference with the Uber model is that you track the you want more security with the drivers you track a lot of uh, data on each uh, motorcycle driver uh, so so you're asking for the founding stories the founding story is what now four or five years ago and i think it's actually been the journey since then that's been most defining you know when we started the the, the company we were both like my, my co-founder and myself are still new to, to startups. We still like, we're kind of new to the, the, the methodology and the, 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 the process. And basically like what my experience has been as a startup founder is that there's a couple of things in Africa just to always be aware of. And uh, number one, you've always got to listen to the customer more, more than anything. And number two, you you need to uh, really make sure that you're solving a pain point, not not providing kind of like an optional solution. And over the course of a couple of years, basically the product and the vision has iterated to where we are now. Um, and where we are now is actually uh, using Kigali from what we discussed in the very beginning, which is uh, you know a great place to test products. But it's always purpose has been to kind of be a pilot for frankly larger and more challenging markets. And currently, like as we speak, I'm actually in Kinshasa, where I've been for the last year, preparing uh, to launch Safe Motos here, actually under a new brand name, Can Go. But the the purpose is not to launch a copy and paste of what we did in Kigali, but rather it's to bring a, a, an evolution of the system that's extremely heavily localized off of the lessons learned in a way that we believe is going to and is going to provide a far stronger market um, market affinity than what a typical kind of like uber style experience would be and i'm happy to talk about that if that's of interest good and just before jumping on the kinshasa and congolese story now uh, but uh, how's been the traction in uh, kigali and uh, rwanda so, I mean, Kigali is both an exceptional market and a challenging market uh, at the same time. You know, what we realized, like we, we launched in Kigali because we saw that already a lot of good work had been done. You know, every motorcycle taxi in Kigali, for example, only allows one passenger, already has a, a helmet for the customer, a helmet for the, the driver, extremely strong regulation and a huge moto, um, a huge moto population already, where it's actually quite easy to to get a transportation solution 
in, in, in Kigali. And we, we chose the market because of this. The idea was if we're going to do something innovative in, in the region, then let's build on top of where there's already been kind of best in class work done. But what it meant was that it was like a, a market that basically the the underlying value proposition of convenience, which is a core part of on-demand ride hailing, well, it was being met pretty well, which meant that basically we, we've been chasing a market where we can uh, be, a, be a painkiller, which has been mostly in B2B. And for B2B, Rwanda's been exceptional for us. We've had like extremely strong growth and are now operationally break even in the Kigali market with the main value proposition of B2B being basically that we, you know, like motorcycle taxis don't give receipts. So there's yeah. a, like a lot of uh, headache in terms of getting uh, paperwork for, for businesses when they need to provide for transportation because there's no way of proving it. So we um, basically have like a, a system where it tracks every trip for, for business, um, you know, it can be postpaid on the business account for the employees and uh, gives a dashboard for tracking everything. But it gives us a pretty limited upper threshold in terms of growth, since this is now kind of a niche market in Kigali rather than what we aspire to be, which is a product that brings value to the mass market going down towards the bottom of the, the economic pyramid. Yeah, and the B2B uh, segment that you have in uh, Kigali is mostly for uh, local companies, foreign companies set up there, a mix of both? or. I mean, a mix of both. If I was to like do a number offhand, I'd say it's probably, uh, I mean, in terms of the actual users, it's like 90, 90% plus locals, while the organizations are probably 80% uh, local, 20% like expat NGO, let's say. With the yep. um, locals, it's been primarily like, you know, organizations that kind of surprised me in the beginning, but now it makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of um, journalists use the service because they've got to do a lot of rapid travel on demand where there's um, an expectation that a big input into a journalist charge in Kigali is actually transportation. Uh, we've done a lot of um, work with uh, sales teams where it's like mobile sales teams that are going around the city that are wanting to make sure that not just they're um, being re re reimbursed and well tracked, but from a business organization, they can kind of use our dashboards to actually see how they're, they're penetrating the city. We have um, groups with uh, volunteers that want to be able to, or groups that are following international accounting best practices. And we're the only provider that I'm aware of right now, actually in Rwanda, that that provides um, tax VAT receipts uh, for, 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 for trips that follow like, um, you know, what the, the expectation of best practices are. So it's, it's been pretty good. It's just, you know, when you, you look like Kigali's already quite a small city, you know, it's about a, a million people. And uh, like, you know, this is already kind of a smaller market for an on-demand model in, in general. And then we've kind of like, you know, chosen like, uh, like uh, a niche of this. So we're quite yeah. proud of what we've built here, but like we still believe, you know, we're still dreaming for a pretty high top of a mountain of where we can go. And we believe that the lessons we've learned here are actually like warrant a, a bigger audience than the, the audience we've identified so far in Kigali. So which is what you are doing and why you are there in uh, DRC and uh, Kinshasa? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, Kinshasa is the, the 
largest business opportunity in Africa right now, probably the most fascinating. I mean, this is a, a mega city, Africa's third largest city, the largest French-speaking city in the world. It's a How city many people, roughly? I mean, you know, it's one of those places where people like to throw out whatever numbers, but yes. like the United <laughs> Nations estimates it between, I think, 10 to 12 million. Um, okay. The numbers you hear on the ground can be up, like, you know, up as high as 15 million. No matter what the number is, like, you know, it's something like even I was concerned about the total number of people when I was there going like, how do they fit you know, 12 million people in this city? <laughs> but then I recently went directly from Kinshasa to Nairobi. And it was remarkable being in Nairobi after Kinshasa because it was like, you know, Kinshasa, uh, Nairobi, which itself is a large city, felt like a village after being in Kinshasa. I mean, Kinshasa is a, a mega city. It's it's surprising. It feels like, a, you know, almost like a secret. You know, it's a, a city that is, uh, you know, the 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 population of you know one of the you know the country is a population of 90 yes. million people, but there's less than 20 international flights that fly into Kinshasa every day. And maybe because it's a French-speaking city, maybe because Congo was colonized by the Belgians and it kept it out of like kind of like modern, you know, English and French-speaking kind of like colonial hemispheres. Uh, like it's just something that isn't really talked about. But to me, what I see when I see Kinshasa, it's this mega city that has quite a functioning and diverse economy and a real business mindset of its people that's still like pre-technology and not pre-technology because the tech isn't there. You know, you can buy a $20 Android smartphone. You can see the, the quality of the internet connection that we're on right now for this call, but rather like, it's kind of like, like, I feel like I'm like in the 1990s in my childhood in Canada. Technology, there hasn't been the killer app yet, the killer service. You know, WhatsApp is still premature here. Facebook is still new. And it feels like uh, we're still kind of like, you know, at day zero in the technology ecosystem in many ways. It's the, the pioneer days. And I believe that this is an exceptional opportunity to not just bring a, a service that you know, is kind of um, uh, a clone of what's been done in other markets, but actually incorporate our lessons learned to kind of develop best practices and ideally make uh, over the long term uh, an entirely technology ecosystem of different services in the market here. So you've been uh, slightly pivoting or adapting your business model to the I scale of the Congolese market? I mean, I wouldn't say pivoting. What I'd say is rather like doing better market assessment. So maybe what I can say is what we're kind of doing differently, like right out the gate. So in Kigali, we are using a smartphone application for drivers and a smartphone application for customers. In Kinshasa, we're still doing a smartphone application for drivers. Drivers are a control group that is a business we can control. But while customers can use a smartphone app, we're also using a USSD interface that allows users to be able to order trips, even if they, they don't have a smartphone, even if they don't have uh, any, any credit. And this is like, you know, a key lesson learned because smartphones demand a certain amount of, um, you know, capacity to pay to own a smartphone. But also a big thing is many people who, who have smartphones don't have active data connections because data can be, even if affordable, uh, a discretionary and discretionary expense. And with USSD, it's just such a flexible technology. And we think we've got a, a really clever 
mechanism of doing the the um, the location transfer via USSD, which is basically we have a network of agents that sign up customers who you know enter in a few core locations that can then be uh, accessed by USSD with users able to crowdsource over time additional locations by saving drop-off points. But the, the ramification means that instead of dealing with only tech-savvy people who you know, know how to use and install applications and who are on smartphones with active data connections, we've expanded the funnel of potential users to anybody with a feature phone. Yeah, yeah which is a great... Uh... Uh, improve and uh, milestone at the end and that can be approved as well and uh, uh, applicated to other uh, similar markets in Africa or outside of Africa as well. all those people having a feature phone and not smartphone yeah, no data plan etc I mean everybody I mean everybody is talking about you know how Africa is becoming like you know like technology is coming Africa rising things like this and it is true like you know like you go to places like you know like Nairobi and Lagos and things are quite exciting but still it's a remarkable level of underserving in terms of technology services being deployed in the majority of you know African cities and what we're really interested in is you know not how do we, uh, you know, compete in where technology companies are already prevalent, but rather how do we pioneer a, a layer of technology services anchored around transportation, ride hailing, and how do we do this in the cities that are, are underserved? And, you know, Kinshasa is a great tech case in point because it's so large, but the more interesting aspect of it than its largeness is its level of being underserved. And we believe that, like, you know, if we can crack it in Kinshasa, then there's, you know, uh, another 50 cities in Africa that have more than a million people, with the majority of them being cities that are extremely underserved. And then there's an entire level of cities, you know, of between 500,000 to a million people that are going to crack a million over the next decade, which is a bit of a sweet spot in terms of a tech ecosystem that we believe we can be, uh, you know, work to be the, the people who are best positioned to actually understand the mindset of the users and roll out products to them. Great, so that's a great story. And just uh, before finishing, um, just your views on the local ecosystem, uh, both in uh, Kigali and uh, in uh, Kinshasa, some other startups that uh, you like or uh, you want uh, us to follow their journey as well. Uh, if you can give us some uh, some other uh, some other names and share some some of the uh, local ecosystem as well. I mean, like I've always been a strong believer that if you're, especially for the the focus of your audience, they should be aware that Kigali is probably the easiest landing spot in Africa for a technology, like a technology startup. Um, you can register a company for free in like literally like less than 30, 30 minutes. They have a special visa classification that allows for residency for, for users who are uh, uh, incorporating their own technology startup and like so you can like live there for years. Um, it has like a, it's really well integrated to to the, the region and to like you know like it's got a great great airport for flying into and the the tech infrastructure is like quite cheap with like everybody being motivated. It's a 
place where the the decision makers get technology and like if there's something going wrong you can literally you know send a whatsapp message to the minister of ict and they'll uh, listen to you and you know get you in the office the next day to understand the issue more so i think like in terms of like let's say going from zero to one on a 10 point scale i think kigali is exceptional starting point uh, kinshasa is a bit of a different beast kinshasa there's a a very emergent a uh, startup ecosystem here which is very much in its earliest days which is the most exciting like it feels like you know everybody's still a pioneer um everybody's still trying to to you know understand what does it actually mean to even have an ecosystem um, it reminds me more of 2011 kigali than just to kind of like get a feel of like what is the art of the possible um but it's also like there hasn't been the success metrics here and success metrics of like you know growth of startups like startups are still very much in their their let's say like pre-seed angel stage where like there hasn't been these success stories that have been made yet to actually kind of show what success in the ecosystem looks like but to me this is extremely exciting because it means that a the market is still like wide open and b if we can you know make success here other people can make success here then not only are they going to you know reap the benefits of being a first mover in such a large market but they can inspire other startups by by the the lessons that they they learn on the way to their success great thank you nash and uh wish you the best luck and uh, all the best for uh, safe motors uh in kinshasa congo and uh, maybe somewhere else later and uh, thanks for answering the questions thank you always a pleasure axel have a great day cheers bye bye bye